listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X-Factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. Join hosts Francis Nahas, Chief Strategy Officer for Red Sail Technologies, and Jim McDonald, Vice President of Sales at Integra, as they connect with experts and leaders in the field to bring you content that matters in long-term care. All right, welcome everybody to the Integra X-Files podcast. We are thrilled to be back again this week. And we have a very exciting guest this week uh, that Jim and I are both ecstatic to talk to. Uh, my name is Francis Nahas. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Red Sail, which is uh, the company that Integra is part of. And I'm here with my co-host, Jim. Jim, why don't you take it from here? I'm Jim McDonald, Vice President of Sales for Integra, uh, which is part of Red Sail. And today we've got a gentleman with us, Ernest Grant, uh, the president of the American Nurses Association. Uh, he's the 36th president of the American Nurses Association, the nation's largest uh, nursing organization representing interest in the 4.3 million registered nurses. That's a ton. Probably a challenge for you as well. But welcome. Thanks. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Delighted to be here. As was mentioned, I am the uh, 36th president of the American Nurses Association, which does represent the uh, interest of the nation's 4.3 million registered nurses. Uh, I uh, broke the glass ceiling. I guess you could say I'm the first male ever to serve in this position in <laughs> uh, 125 years of the uh, organization's wow. existence. So uh, I feel very, uh, very privileged. And what a time to break the uh, the glass ceiling, right? You no sooner right. get started and then a little virus decides to uh, <laughs> come along and, and just upset everything. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been quite challenging. Because um, not only, uh, as I mentioned, when you're representing 4.3 million registered nurses, you got 4.3 million different opinions as to uh, how things uh, could be done or should be done or why aren't they being done, uh, you know, type thing. But it has been uh, quite a rewarding and uh, and challenging presidency. Um, I um, have truly grown uh, quite a lot. And uh, hopefully I have represented and uh, advocated on behalf of the, the nurses, uh, not only here in the United States, but around the, the, the globe. Uh, as you know, the last two years, two plus years have been very, very challenging for anyone in the uh, healthcare spectrum, uh, but none more so than nurses. And so advocating on their behalf, making sure they get the equipment they needed to do to uh, you know, take care of uh, patients, um, you know, and that they were educated in how to take care of those patients, you know, um, uh, you know, that's just some of the, uh, the challenges that I've faced over the, the last couple of years. So my presidency has not been the, the typical, uh, presidency that, uh, you know, my predecessors have, uh, uh, have enjoyed, uh, but, um, uh, I guess, uh, just in the right place at the right time. So 
congratulations. There you go. Right? De- definitely <laughs> kept it interesting, I'm imagining. Yes, yes, quite so. So, Juana, can you tell us a little bit just overall the American Nursing Association? What's the mission? And then given what you just talked about, how mm-hmm. has that or hasn't that changed over the last the last couple of years? Well, our, our mission is to lead the profession to shape the future of healthcare and nursing. And, you know, we, we're not just about nursing. I mean, obviously we care about the, the health of the public as well. And a lot of that work is done through advocacy in a number of ways. Um, you know, I've been up on Capitol Hill quite a lot in the last uh, you know, couple of years, as has my predecessors, but uh, mainly it's, um, you know, it is advocating for, um, uh, you know, access to care for uh, for individuals who are unable to to get that. Uh, obviously, with the events of uh, of COVID, you know, it has shined the light on uh, inequities in healthcare, and um, so we have uh, been very very strong and uh, uh, forward in advocating that uh, we level that playing field and that uh, those who did not have access to care that they are now getting it. And of course, I'm sure your your listeners are have probably have been reading or hearing about uh, the severe nursing shortage as well. And uh, so, advocating for more funding for nursing education, and uh, not only uh, for nurses to receive funds for that, but you know, more faculty, more uh, space to uh, you know to educate those uh, those people because there is a growing demand for nurses. Uh, we estimate that probably by 2025, we will need an additional 1.5 million registered nurses uh, as healthcare continues to expand. Uh, we have a growing um, senior population of which I'm slightly entering that, <laughs> that category. <laughs> no. I'm one of the yeah, last no. of the baby boomers, but uh, you know, as I get ready to retire, I want to make sure that the you know healthcare system is uh, is definitely uh, proficient and up there, and, yes, and yes. that there will be people there to take care of me so that I can live a long and healthy life. And uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah. those are some of the things that we're we're definitely looking at. Awesome. Well, we are thrilled to have you here. I th- before I uh, joined Red Sale, I worked for a company that sold pharmacy equipment to hospitals. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, you know, very clear early on learnings that we like to think the, the customer of the pharmacy is the patient. Mm-hmm. And if you're working in a hospital or you're working in an institutional environment, like a long-term care environment, the customer is as much, if not more, mm-hmm. you know, the nurses. Right. These these are the folks who are really receiving the output from the pharmacy and um, delivering that to the patient. So we're thrilled to have you here to kind of give us a little bit of that perspective and give our customers that perspective of, you know, as they think about who their customers are, uh, they're thinking about that from the nurse's perspective as well. Yeah. yeah one of the challenges you mentioned earlier. COVID obviously has been a big thing for us for the past couple of years. Yeah. What has your organization done that's, you know, probably if you if you listen to the news and you hear this, it's been extremely challenging for nurses. Mm-hmm. Is there anything the organization has done to help with the mental well-being of the nursing environment uh, with the nurses? Yes, we've done quite a lot with that. Um, you know, starting at the federal level, again, um, I've been up on Capitol Hill several times. Uh, pleading with members of Congress, various committees of Congress to allocate funding, to um, uh, provide funding for uh, not only nurses, but all the members of the healthcare mm-hmm. team. Uh, you know, we all have been affected uh, both mentally and physically, uh, that there be funding set aside to uh, assist those individuals so that they can get the 
uh, you know, the, the mental health needs, uh, are their mental health needs met. Um, uh, the American Nurses Association itself, we have two programs, one that is called Healthy Nurse, Healthy Nation. Um, the, the initial goal of that program uh, before our, our friend Mr. COVID decided to play us a visit was to uh, 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 improve the health of the nation by starting with the 4.3 million registered nurses. And part of that program, it talks about or it guides nurses through things such as weight loss or making sure that you're getting enough sleep, enough exercise, how to be resilient in your, your work environment and such. So uh, with the advent of uh, COVID, we did tweak that program a little bit more to specifically address you know, some of the more um, you know, mental health needs that, uh, that nurses may have. We also partnered with uh, several other nursing organizations, the Emergency Nurses Association, the Association of Critical Care Nurses, and the Association of uh, Mental Health Nurses to develop a program called Wellbeing. And this is a web-based program uh, where nurses can go in, fill out a few questions. It uh, 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 more or less uh, you know, predicts, well, this is your stress level or you know, this is where you may be on the particular stress scales. And here are some things that we suggest that you, uh, you do. Um, and there's also uh, mental health counselors who are available to uh, speak with nurses. Uh, they can um, also write about their experiences and things that you know, sometimes just, you know, just writing is a great way to do that. Or they can also talk with other nurses who have gone through what they've been doing as well. Uh, you know, so we have many different ways that we do that. But one of our biggest challenge, of course, is getting nurses to recognize that they need that you know to yeah, uh, sure, to seek sure. mental health just like yeah, uh, strong people yeah yeah, yeah. just just like our, our firefighters just like uh folks in the military uh you know it's sometimes seen as a weakness uh for that and we've got to get them to understand that it is not a weakness it is um it's about well-being and getting your head right so that you can provide the care uh, that the patients need. Um, I'm sure we've all have, over the last few months have been hearing the term, put your own mask on first. <laughs> so I was uh, exactly thinking yeah. that. Thing. Sure. This is the same thing that we try right. to get done with uh, uh, in regards to mental health as well. You can't take care of a patient uh, very well and efficiently, if you are, are dealing with problems in the back of your, your mind, you're easily distracted and it creates a, a, a not so good work environment also. Uh, and you know, so all those things begin to have sort of a domino effect, if you will. And the last thing you know, regarding this is the stigma that is associated with that. Uh, you know, so we've been trying to play down uh, the stigma that is associated with, uh, you know, seeking mental health uh, counseling or, 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 or just counseling in general uh, from two ways. One from, you know, our colleagues in the healthcare setting, uh, but also we're uh, in some ways, um, you know, nurses feel that they may be punished um, because if it goes on their record that they sought mental health and they try to, um, uh, maybe get a job somewhere else or or, or whatever that uh, uh, if it's listed that, uh, you know, this person sought mental health counseling, even though people, you know, may not, um, you know, understand what it is that they were doing, it could uh, either uh, influence their insurance or influence their licensure. And, uh, you know, as far as with being hired. So we're trying to um, 
work on reducing that stigma that is associated with that and getting insurance companies and the uh, the national state uh, national council of state boards of nursing to um, you know not put such a, an emphasis on uh, the fact that someone did seek mental health counseling perceived weakness yeah right. yes right. yes absolutely yeah so so one of the things you know as i've read that um i feel like it, it is one of those interesting sort of dilemmas that has added to the burden on nurses is you know, we talk about in pharmacy about having pharmacists work up to the top of their licensure and the same has been true of nursing in particular over the last couple of decades um but it creates a level of burden, right? Where it's the answer to everything is, well, nurses can help, right? Mm -hmm. Nurses can do it. They kind of sit in the mix of everything healthcare. Um, but it's added just a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of responsibility that didn't exist 20 years ago. And so I'm wondering how you think about, or, or ANA thinks about sort of the that confluence where there's just more and more being asked of nurses. And in a lot of ways, it's great. And in a lot of ways, it just adds to the work and the burden that's put on them. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. One of the things that um, you know we have begun to to recognize, and I'm sure you're hearing these uh, you know those buzzwords now. Uh, you know, besides teamwork or collaboration or um, what is it the, the other one. Uh, professional, uh, interprofessional, uh, you know, collaboration and et cetera, we're learning that we can't do it all. Uh, you know, whereas in the past, yes, nurses would all automatically just say, oh yeah, just pile one more thing on my yeah, checklist yeah. and et cetera. But are we really, um, you know, by doing that though, you know, by accepting all that responsibility, are we able to, uh, to provide the, you know, the most proficient and effective care for mm -hmm. our patients and, you know, no matter what the setting, if it's acute care, community health, long-term care, you know, whatever, are we able to, to truly do that? Whereas some, um, duties can be designated to other individuals and perhaps nursing or you know can oversee or or become part of that uh, you know that team but it doesn't necessarily automatically have to uh, say that, oh, that's a nursing responsibility. Um, you know, so there are things that we need to reevaluate and um, and truly ask ourselves, can someone else do this? And, you know, and nursing just oversees that. Uh, I think, um, you know, as you started out the first part of your your question with the advanced practice nurses, uh, you know, and or nursing in general, being able to practice to the full extent of our education, because believe it or not, they're uh, nurses who are at the bedside. Uh, in some instances, they still are limited in their, um, you know, in their scope and practice as well, uh, even though they've been educated well beyond, you know, some of the uh, the skills that they're not allowed to do. So we'll continue to advocate for that because it's the consumer of healthcare that loses out when, uh, you know, when limitations like that are placed. Um, and never has that been more um profound or are looked at than during the pandemic when there was a uh, emergency order that relaxed those standards. And I think a big fear that a lot of people had prior to COVID coming along that if we allowed nurses to have full practice authority, the advanced practice nurses to have full practice authority, that you know uh, it, it'd just be utter chaos. And yet here we are two, two plus years into this emergency, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 message that's been put out, 
and there's been no uh, no incidents or anything else. So, right. so that's a great experiment, and it's something that we can yeah, use yeah. to to argue for uh, you know full practice authority once uh, you know once we return back to normal, whatever that's going to look like, right. whatever normal, the new normal. There's a yeah. great the little normal. nugget in there too, where I always say practice to the top of your licensure, but mm-hmm. but it's your point of practice to the top of your education, mm-hmm. and we need to get the licensure to actually catch up. Yes, with yes, in some do. cases where where the education is of our mm-hmm. clinicians, yeah, really interesting. So, can we talk long term care specific a little bit? So, I'd sure. love to hear from your perspective. Um, you know, nursing within long term care or group home or or you know the the full gamut of long term care. So, from skilled mm-hmm. nursing to assisted living to group home, um, what have you heard or what do you see about? Um, the impact of COVID in particular on nursing in, in those facilities or just in general, how nursing has progressed there? Well, uh, there's been a, a great deal of, uh, of changes within long-term care, even before COVID. Um, uh, how do you put this nicely? I guess you could say they were sort of viewed as not necessarily the ugly stepchild. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, sure. But the the resources and things that uh, you know that is needed, especially for a growing population. As I said, I'm on the 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 tail end of the baby boomers, so we know that for the next thirty years, ten thousand Americans are turning sixty five. Right. Every day, every yep. so every day, and so um, that means that they've got to go somewhere to get there, you know, as they get older and require, uh, you know, extended care and and whatever. So that means long term care is going to grow. And I would always tell my nursing students, if you're looking for job security become a geriatric nurse practioner because you right. definitely <laughs> will, will have that. We're all going to get old. We're <laughs> all going to get exactly old. Right. We're all going to continue to need uh, health care in so many different ways. So some of the, yeah. the things that, that we need to, to grow that, though, is, you know, because, um, you know, the LPNs were sort of shifted out of the hospital setting uh, into the clinics and into long-term care. And then when COVID happened, we saw a reversal of that where, you know, as nurses were uh, either uh, leaving um, uh, the, the bedside or, or taking time out, uh, you know, there was a big draw of, of LPNs to come back into the uh, acute care setting, which left long-term care short-staffed in, in uh, a number of, of ways. And of course, you're dealing with a very vulnerable population. I mean, nothing was much more vulnerable than when COVID first hit here. And we saw exactly. who was being affected, mm-hmm. um, you know, first and, uh, and foremost, it was our older population. So we definitely need to have systems in place that uh, will provide uh, the protection that they need, uh, that they are, are getting the care that they need. And I think a, a way that both nursing and pharmacy can you know, can collaborate is look at where are there areas for improvement and efficiency that could uh, benefit both professions. Uh, you know, we could do, you know, surveys of uh, of, health, of long-term care facilities and, and find out what went right, what went wrong. And, uh, you know, from all of our uh, perspective, um, not only from an advocacy perspective, but even from a, um, uh, regulatory uh, perspective as well. And um, are we prepared for the next pandemic? Because believe me, the next one is right around the corner. The corner. Uh, these things are, uh, they're coming, uh, well, it's become more uh, interglobal transportation and communication and everything else. I mean, look how long it took for COVID to reach our shores when it was diagnosed 
first recognized yeah. in China in November of 2019. Yeah. The first case uh, diagnosed in America was two months later in uh, Washington state. So um, things are gonna be happening much faster. And uh, yes, this, uh, you know, COVID is just the, uh, I think it's like the fifth pandemic that we have had. Uh, I think here in America though, because it did not hit our shores, like when you had Zika, when you had uh, SARS, um, mm -hmm. uh, and when you had, uh, uh, you know, a few of the other ones, you know, back in the, the early 2000s or so, uh, because it didn't hit our shores, uh, I think we as Americans felt really, um, you know, that's not our problem. <laughs> you know, uh, but when this one hit our shores, and I mean, it really hit our shores, yeah, yeah. It really, yeah. really showed how unprepared that we were when you look and you see that the um, supply chain uh, was not as efficient as it was uh, purported to be. Uh, the storehouses that uh, products had not yeah. been rotated, so they dry rotted. And, you know, uh, so when you go to use them, they're, you know, you, you can't use them. And what that did was it uh, led to a proliferation of counterfeit uh, uh, products being put on the market, which put all of the healthcare workers at risk. I, I can give you tons of reports of nurses who said that, um, you know, uh, the uh, N95, some of the N95 masks yes. that were purchased, they were counterfeit. They were not, uh, uh, you know, NIOSH uh, approved, or they were too large for their, uh, you know, for their face. Yeah. You know, um, you know, lots of things. So, um, so those are some things that uh, knowing that, the senior population in long-term care, and, and it's, uh, I say senior, but, you know, there are young people in long-term care as well, you know, that may have neurological or other uh, injuries right. that, are, that are there. Um, we need to um, definitely be prepared to, um, uh, you know, uh, take care of that very vulnerable population and ensure that their health and safety is, uh, is a priority. Sure. Sorry for that very long answer. No, no, that's fine. You know, the great resignation was another piece that we we've had a, a, a another podcast about that. Mm -hmm. And that's also hitting nursing as well. So how do when you, when you have a, the great resignation, a lot of people leaving the, the practice and everybody getting older, how do, how do you fill that? How do you backfill that? I guess, um, to make that work. Well, you know, um, first of all, a &A, at a and we're very deeply concerned about the severe shortage of nurses that is happening. And, and uh, in some cases, what we're finding is, uh, particularly with the, the great resignation, it isn't that they're necessarily leaving the profession, they're leaving their jobs. And so we need to figure out what's going on that is causing them to leave their jobs and put a system in place that will, will help to retain the uh, the nurses. Well, number one, I'm sure your listeners have, you know, probably the first thing that comes to their mind is, uh, you know, they've heard that a lot of them are leaving to become travelers to, uh, you know, because they can make anywhere from four to five times the hourly rate that they're being paid by their current employer. And that is certainly true. And one of the things that can, uh, uh, you know, we can do to try to, uh, you know, countermand that and what we've been advocating for is for nurses to have increased pay. But we've been uh, advocating for that, uh, you know, since COVID first came to our shores about nurses getting hazard pay. 
but you know, pay is just one part of it. They also need to feel valued and feeling valued uh, comes across in so many different ways. Yes, it means uh, perhaps increased pay, but you also wanna have a nice, safe working environment. You know, and nurses are reporting that they are being, you know, uh, assaulted by patients, by patients' families, by their colleagues. Um, you know, you didn't go to school and come to work to be uh, insulted or struck at or, you know, or someone think, uh, you know, well, you can imagine all the, uh, you know, the various things that can happen. Um, but, uh, you know, feeling valued mean that it's up to the employer to ensure that this is a safe work environment and that nurse, be it a male or a female, feels that if they are threatened or whatever else, that uh, when they report it, it's going to be taken seriously and it's going to be investigated and it's going to be, you know, that they're going to be supported. Uh, I think it's also important for administrators to uh, to, to do rounding and, uh, you know, nurses will tell you now the days of the, you know, the coffee and donut or the pizza party and, you know, right. the pat on the back, those are over, you know, they want, exactly. you know, other ways uh, for the, um, uh, you know, for the employer and the administrator to show their appreciation. And for nurses who, uh, this is particularly true for nurses who remain loyal to the institution, you know, while their colleagues may quit and go and become a traveler, uh, you know, and the hospital turns around and, and either hires, you know, the person who just was there uh, as an employee about a month later, or when that person comes back as a traveler, uh, it can create a you know, very tense situation, especially for that nurse who's remained loyal to that institution. And yes, they may be getting overtime pay and uh, things of that sort, but uh, but there should be other ways that uh, uh, the employer should look to find, uh, to, to show that person that we value what you're doing. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, we can't thank you enough for your loyalty to remain with us because and, you know, I've heard that, you know, in some places you can, uh, nurses can go and they can make anywhere from twelve dollars to $15,000 a week. Um, you know, and uh, you have to work the whole week, you know, 12-hour shifts plus. Uh, but, uh, you know, you really have to ask yourself, is it really worth it, though, to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, do that? So, um, but those are just some of the things that we, we need to do. So, uh, and we have also... Uh, you know, September 1st of last year, I sent a letter to uh, the Health and Human Services Secretary uh, Becerra asking him to declare a nursing shortage. And not only that, uh, and well, to declare it as a, a crisis, and not only that, but to bring all the players together. Let's solve this shortage issue. You know, I've been a nurse for 45 years. And, if, you know, during that whole time, there's always been a nursing shortage, but nothing to this extent. Uh, so um, we were experiencing this before COVID came along, but COVID, again, just exacerbated. Yeah. But um, I've encouraged him, let's bring all the players to the table and let's work on both short and long-term goals to help alleviate the shortage, because otherwise, you know, uh, what's the definition of insanity? Right? You keep <laughs> doing something and hoping that uh, you get a different uh, outcome, you're going to get a, yeah. a different result. And yeah, and that traditionally is what we have done, you know, because the shortages prior to this have not been as severe. So, yes, the answer was, yeah, let's hire, um, you know, uh, you know, travel nurses or or, or let's yeah. bring in nurses from another foreign country to help uh, alleviate the shortage. But guess what? With COVID, it was a global epidemic. So those countries needs their nurses as well. So it's not fair to pull nurses from another country 
to satisfy our need and leave that other country short staff and their people going without the uh, without the, the corporate health care as well. Yeah. So, so, so what are some of the ways we can rethink? Yeah, because that, like you said, it's it's a challenge that has existed for a long time. Yes. COVID's really just amplified the impact of that. How do we think about it differently? What are, well, I, I think we need to, to think about it from a, a number of perspectives. One, we need to hire the proper amount of nurses, uh, you know, to, uh, to to work each shift, each floors, uh, you know, each, each one is going to demand different things. Now, you know, there's two uh, two bodies of thought, if you will, that are out there. One is, uh, you know, is nurse staffing ratios. Uh, you know, one uh, group says that, okay, th they mandate a number, you know, like one to four, one nurse, four patients. ANA does not believe in that model. We think that it should be um, uh, a uh, agreement between the uh, the particular floor uh, and the, uh, the hospital administration, because one of the things you have to take into accountability is you know the the particular work demands on that floor, and not only that, but the um, uh, the the the, uh, the seniority of the nursing staff that may be there. You know that one to four ratio that could mean that you've got a nurse who's just been out of school for six months, but they're already counted in staffing. But that nurse, we yeah. know that it takes a nurse a good one to two years, definitely before they feel comfortable with their skills and making their decisions and et cetera. And that's why we, you know, we talk about uh, staff and skill mix. And also what about other uh, members of the healthcare team? What about nursing assistants or LPNs that may be there as well? Uh, you know, my background uh, before becoming president of the ANA was uh, was in burns and critical care. And one of the yeah. things about burns is you can pick up the phone and next thing you know, you're getting six admissions, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, so you got to have, uh, you, you, at that point, you want nurses who, you know, when those six patients are rolling in, <laughs> you know, one right after the other, yeah. you want nurses who know what they're doing, not yeah. someone who's going to be second guessing as to, um, you know, what can and, and should be done, uh, you know, because it's a matter of life and death. And, exactly. You know, so there's different situations for different things. And that's why we feel that it's best that those are situations that are worked out between the, uh, you know, the particular floors and the employer. So that that's one thing. The other thing is uh, what I uh, uh, have always advocated for as well is that nursing needs to be brought out from under the room and board. Uh, it does not make sense that every other profession healthcare profession can charge for what they do. You know, pharmacists yeah. <laughs> charge for their work. Respiratory right. therapists charge, charge for their work. Uh, physical therapists charge for their work and et cetera. But nursing, no, we are grouped under room and board. Uh, you know, we're treated as a commodity and that's, you know, um, uh, that's insulting. It, it truly is for someone who's, you know, who goes to school, uh, you know, we are not a trade. We are a profession. profession. And one of the thing about a profession is that you have your own body of research, your own, um, your own code of ethics and, you know, things of this sort, which we, we have, but because someone uh, who controls the finances may say that, Oh well, you know we don't have the the funds, or or we're we're not going to to hire as many people as as we can because you want to make the bottom line look good. Again, the consumer is the one who is hurting as a result of that. And one of the things we as nurses have done for so long is when we've we've been told, you know, when you call up and say I need more help, and the word comes back, well, we don't have anybody else we can send you. We will always say, oh, okay, well, we'll just you know, buckle down and do what needs to be done. 
And then when the next shift comes on and they say they need more help and they were told the same thing and they said, well, you know, the shift before you made it work, why can't you? you know? <laughs> and uh, so now nurses, though, we're beginning to get uh, smart and savvy and saying, you know, this is an unsafe environment right. uh, you know, yeah. and um, you know we need to get more you know more nurses here or I'm going to ask for safe harbor or you know something mm -hmm. like that uh, because there's uh, there really isn't um, any in my opinion any reason as to why floors cannot be staffed as well as they uh, you know they could be and and of course uh, I know it's it's going to vary from institution and uh, you know whatever the the needs and demands may be, but we need to uh, you know have a a good honest look at um, uh, are we supplying a, enough staff and giving them the resources that they need. So that's just the beginning of of some of those things. But uh, I outlined in that letter you know several things that uh, that we uh, that the ANA thought could uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, help to uh, alleviate that that shortage, and um, we will continue to uh, to advocate for that. Fantastic. Yeah, this week the CMS announced um, planned staffing requirements in long-term care facilities, and I think a big piece of that will go probably be nurses as well. Yes, and they're and they're they're looking at you know nursing facilities are deficient in their care and so forth, and probably the nurse shortage or the lack of nursing has facilitated that. Absolutely. That circumstance. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, uh, you know, long-term care, again, in a lot of cases, it's the LPN who's doing yeah, the yeah. role of the RN and, um, you know, and, uh, and in some cases that, that works well, but in some cases, um, you know, again, it needs to be looked at, um, you know, very, very uh, carefully and uh, make sure that, you know, uh, everyone's needs and et cetera are being met and not just, uh, you know, having a warm body to, you know, to fill a, position, but, um, you know, um, are we providing the, you know, the correct care that the, uh, you know, the patient needs? Mm -hmm. When you, when you think of, we've talked a little bit about sort of the, the team-based care, the interdisciplinary mm -hmm. care, right? What, what can doctors on the one hand, but also pharmacists, obviously, is our listeners, but what can these clinicians be doing to help support nurses during this time? I think probably the, the biggest thing is maybe communication, uh, you know, always, you know, how can we work better together to achieve an efficient, uh, uh, you know, civil work environment or, you know, that's beneficial for all, you know, all the, uh, the healthcare workers, um, you know, what are things that, um, uh, again, just, you know, what can be distributed out to, you know, to other disciplines uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that nursing uh, may have uh, oversight of or, or may be doing, but, uh, uh, you know, is there something that, you know, that could be done that could, um, uh, you know, make it a little bit easier uh, to, uh, as far as what, regarding patient care and things of that sort as well. Um, you know, I remember, um, you know, years ago when, you know, when I was, you uh, uh, staff nurse and uh, et cetera. And, and yes, the particular model that we had was the team-based uh, model where, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, everyone, in the, the team would, would do a certain thing, but there was, um, uh, it wasn't, the team was just as efficient as it could be if there was good communication. And uh, to me that, you know, really, um, you know, drives, you know, drives the train there. I think another thing is 
looking at some of the ways that we can uh, we can be cost effective. You know, how can we help cut the cost of service? You know, is there duplications in some things that uh, uh, that um, you know we don't understand why? But you know, looking at those, well, that's the way it's always been done. Right. challenge those. You know, because the way it was done, you know, 15 years ago. Does it mean that it's still going to be, uh, you know, effective here in 2022? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a more efficient way to, uh, you know, to, to achieve the same goal, uh, same end result, uh, but at a much cheaper, uh, you know, cheaper uh, cost. And you know, and the person who wins in this case is the end user, which is, uh, you know, it could be other members of the healthcare team, or mm-hmm. it could be that patient. Uh, that it's all all geared towards. So uh, I think um, you know, just the main answer to that question is probably just just good communication and uh, and making sure that there's no duplication of uh, of work and uh, or or crossover uh, discipline uh, uh, in, in that sense. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a good question. What's noodling through my head is, mm-hmm. I wonder how often our long term care pharmacies, you know, pick up the phone and talk to the. Mm-hmm. the nursing team or the nursing leaders. And it might be a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be a lot. I don't know. Right. Of how often well, they're having I'm those sure there's, there are cases where, you know, where you do have that good, you know, that great yeah. communication and et cetera. But then there, there are other cases, particularly in uh, with some long-term care facilities that are huge mega systems. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there could easily be that, uh, you know, that breakdown in communication because they are so large. Yeah. And sometimes those decisions that may be made in the C-suite, um, I think that's one of the things that we need to be asking ourselves too. And I always uh, point this out as a, uh, as a leader, I'm always questioning, okay, who else should be here? Who's, mm-hmm. you know, who's not at the table uh, that because we're making these decisions, we may have blinders on and what may seem like a very efficient and effective thing from our perspective. Um, you always have to ask that end user, <laughs> you know, does yeah, this make yeah. sense to you? Because, um, you know, if it, if it means that that person still has to do a workaround, then are we really saving money and are we really uh, being um, uh, proficient and the uh, the care that we're we're all striving to give, uh, as opposed to had we just listened or had we uh, you know uh, uh, figured out you know who wasn't there and maybe go and ask them uh, you know uh, you know we're thinking about doing this what do you think you know how uh, effective yeah. might this be uh, I think that's the uh, you know that's the you know the ultimate goal is to make sure that everybody has their voices heard uh, and I think you'll see things work much more efficient as opposed to just, um, you know, blindly, uh, you know, thinking of something that we think is going to be great for the, uh, you know, for the whole system. And it turns out there's a little kink in the cog, uh, the cog that uh, we weren't quite aware of. Yeah. 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 Now it's, we, it's a great point. It's the, yeah. the, who's not at the table that should be. Mm-hmm. And also we, we were our last podcast, we met with uh, Brad Kahn, we were talking about, um, from the from the political perspective, right on on the hill, a couple of bills that are happening, what we can do. And one of the things we talked about was folks reaching out and inviting, you know, invite your congressman to come see the pharmacy, right? It's it's amazing how much you can learn by sort of being down on the floor, right? Being in the mix yeah. of the actual work being done when you don't normally spend your time yeah. there. And so that's the other thing, you know, as I think about our pharmacies where it's, you know, making sure you know 
mm-hmm. how those processes work when they're, Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, when those meds are handed yeah. off. Yeah. And yeah, then when of, a piece yeah. of legislation comes along that, yeah. uh, you know, that may involve that or whatever, then the, 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 uh, the, the legislator can say, I have that, you know, I've gone and I've seen right. how I've seen it. How, I've how seen this, it. I know how, how my vote may influence this or, or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and of course, the other thing um, to encourage, you know, pharmacists and all members of the healthcare team to advocate from not only for your profession, but for health and healthcare in general, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I always tell my students, you know, volunteer to be a, uh, you know, healthcare expert for, you know, your congressman, you know, sure. either, um, you know, either at the state level or even at the national level, because yeah. their, um, you know, their uh, assistance, um, you know, a lot of times they don't have a background in healthcare. Uh, you know, so they get what they, you know, the information they get from uh, from the people who maybe are wanting to bottom line, you know, reap the profit. And instead of yeah. you know getting both sides of the story, yeah. you know, they're going to listen to what that person who uh, who's going to be at the uh, be advantaged by that particular piece of legislation. Who has the, the dollars? To, has so, the yeah, dollars the, the people who have the dollars to spend the money on right. the lobbyists, right? Who their agenda? To, yeah. to go to their their town halls. And speak up, you know, yeah. when they, you know, and let them know I'm a pharmacist or I'm a registered nurse, and I vote. And yeah, you know, yes. exactly. You know, the uh, the piece of legislation that you're considering, this is how it's going to affect the people that you represent in this community here. Yes, you know, get them thinking otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we talked about a lot of negatives that have come out of COVID and all the things for nursing. Is there a silver lining hidden in there somewhere that? Uh, Obviously, nurses have been become maybe more important in the public eye. Is that is that I mean the silver lining? Is that it? Maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm proud to say that uh, actually, just um, well, now it's March. I was going to say just last month, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in January, <laughs> yeah, in, in January, um, you know, nurses for the twentieth consecutive year in a row was uh, voted as the most trusted profession by. Um, hmm. Uh, there's a uh, ethics and honesty poll that oh, wow. um, you know, that is done every year, and for 20 years in a row, uh, nursing has uh, far exceeded all other uh, uh, professions as the most trusted. So that's that's one thing. I think the the other thing that's coming out of it is uh, uh, obviously we'll begin to look at nursing salaries and uh, you know have some increase in those. And I am all for nurses making as much money as they can to again. To reiterate, I don't think they make enough uh, sure. for yeah. you know for what they do, um, and I, I think now we're also beginning to uh, you know one of the uh, the the, uh, the the buzzwords nowadays is uh, is to be woke and to realize the power that we have as nurses and what we can do uh, you know moving forward. So I think once we are in the clear of this pandemic, you're going to see nursing being more autonomous, uh, you know, pushing for, uh, you know, the full practice authority for the advance, you know, even more so than, than what we uh, we are now. Um, and, um, you know, uh, exerting our own, uh, which is is uh, is going to be really fantastic. I, uh, you know, this is a great time. Actually, I wish I was about 20 years younger. Uh, this is a great time to, <laughs> Don't we all? to be in nursing, yeah, well, to, yeah. uh, you know, to, to watch how things will progress. Uh, and the fact that uh, the public now has some idea of who we are and what we do. Uh, you know, prior to COVID, I think if you ask someone, 
um, you know, what it is that a nurse does, they said, well, I don't know, but I know they work at that hospital down the street or mm-hmm. that long-term care facility or whatever. But, yeah. uh, but now, uh, you know, uh, it's one thing that uh, I guess, yeah, if, uh, if there's one uh, bright light that comes out of uh, this, uh, uh, this pandemic is the fact that the, uh, uh, the public now understand a lot more about, uh, you know, uh, the role that nurses play and, and all members of the healthcare team, not just mm-hmm. nursing. But, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, but uh, the role that all of us play and uh, have much more respect for that. Fantastic. So I want to bring it all back around now yeah. to our to our theme of the show. What we have, what we ask every mm-hmm. guest towards the end of the show is um, to think about our long term care pharmacists who are listening and mm-hmm. say, hey, what's the X factor? What's the one thing they should take away from this conversation that might impact how they work or that they might change the way they go about their business? Um, what's the one thing you would tell them if you if you walk away with nothing else, you should think about this? Well, that's a great question. And I've been trying to, to think, I, I think the, uh, the the most important thing is just look for opportunities to collaborate, opportunities to communicate, um, uh, opportunities to uh, uh, um, express, you know, feelings of feeling valued, uh, you know, across the, you know, all the, the, the disciplines, because we're all in this together. We all play, yeah. Yeah. you know, have our major role to play. And uh, um, I do think that, um, um, you know, even if it's just a, you know, a little pat on the back or, or, um, you know, uh, just asking someone how they're doing that, you know, could really, uh, you know, make someone's day when you, um, uh, you know, when you're, just feeling rushed and et cetera, and, and feel like nobody cares and et cetera, just to, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, have that. Uh, I know, yeah. I, I know again, back when I was, uh, you know, was taking care of burns, we did have what we called the burn team. And there was a total of 17 different healthcare disciplines that were wow. involved there of which a pharmacist was part of that. And we do rounds in the morning and, you know, uh, our pharmacists would always uh, talk about the medications that the patient may be on or whatever, but they would be in collaboration with the, the nurses as well. You know, like yeah. uh, if they offered to try a medication, um, you know, they would always ask the nurse, well, how did that do? You know, by tweaking that, you know, uh, did we get what we want or do we need to consider something else and et cetera? That's what I mean by, you know, really good effective communication as well is, uh, you know, because we're, we're all part of the team and we all want to be there to help our fellow man uh, during a, you know, a severe time of need that they may have. And uh, I can't think of a better way to do that than to be collaborative because you can, uh, you know, as the, the old saying goes, you can catch a lot more bees with honey than you can with vinegar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate it. This has been such a fun conversation. Well, thank Much you. Fun. I enjoyed it as well. Yep. Absolutely. Love. Thank you, Ernest. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. thank you very much. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X Factor in improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at IntegraXFiles.com. That's IntegraXFiles.com.